Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick. Now my first guest this morning has vast experience of mergers, acquisitions and management buyouts during his time at Keddington. Matt Porter, the organisation's Managing Director, joins me now to discuss this exciting journey in more detail. Matt, you're a partner in Keddington, which has become a truly global company. But starting out, did you harbour ambitions for a different career path? Yeah, I started as a consulting engineer, did that job for about 15 years, loved it, but saw the emerging computer network industry and decided I needed to jump onto that um, bandwagon. So in uh, 1996, I joined Keddington. It became a partner in 1998. We sold the business in the year 1999 to Dennis O'Brien, became part of ESAT, of course became part of British Telecom when Dennis sold everything to BT. Um, I led an MBO uh, in 2003 to take it back into private ownership and I've been managing it ever since then. I'm going to speak to you about all of those different stages that the business went through later in the interview. But first, when you joined Keddington, a leading IT network specialist in Ireland at the time, did you have any idea that that company was going to be a global player in the market? No, I, I guess back then we didn't, although networks just uh, took off. We're truly living in an exponential era, as you can imagine. All you need to look at is uh, Twitter and 50 million tweets uh, per day and Google with 31 billion searches every month. You know, you can see quickly what's going on in our industry. It really is an exponential industry. And as you say, you were involved in the sale of Keddington to ESAT back in the day. But how did that deal come about? Yeah, we, I guess we were just at an exciting time of our career. We decided we were uh, ready to move on to the next level. Uh, Dennis O'Brien, if you like, had a, maybe had a vision about doing work outside the building, but also inside the building and bringing the computer, bringing the broadband and, and everything else directly to the desktop. And that's where we specialised, inside the buildings, inside the campus network. So, you know, Wi-Fi, fibre optic, copper networks, that was us with inside, inside the building. So Dennis was an, an, an obvious target for us. Um, of course, he then did the deal with BT, so we became part of BT. So uh, and the rest is history, maybe. And unusually then, when ESAT became part of BT, you actually led a management buyout, which would bring the company back into private ownership. Why did you feel so passionately about Kennington that you decided to lead the MBO rather than work for a big company like BT? Yeah, I think companies like ours at the time especially, we were really... Um, needed to move fast over the ground. We were part of the construction industry, whereas tele, uh, British Telecom were moving in different circles. So they're still very good friends of ours and, 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 and clients of ours. So they're, they're still a great company, but we, we would move faster over the ground as a privately owned company. So we took it back into private ownership so that we could handle um, tech companies out of America and other companies that we needed to chase hard and fast over the ground. And the management buyout wasn't the end of Keddington's mergers and acquisition story, with a subsequent merger making Keddington part of the Excel Roadstone Company. How has that aided the company's growth objectives? Yeah, we were servicing clients uh, here, tech, mostly American tech companies here in Ireland, but they want us to follow them into Europe. And we had to grow from a company that was doing circa 30 million to a company that was doing over 100 million, a company that had circa 200 employees to a company that had circa 700 employees. And we needed to scale very fast in order to meet the demand that was coming at us. We had some great expertise here, some lovely clients, but they, and they wanted us to follow them into Europe, but we just had to grow and we had to grow fast. So thankfully, um, we found uh, 
two companies in the UK, which were put together by an Irish guy studying in America, uh, Barry Horgan, lives in London, and owns two companies like ours and pulled our company in together. So now our three companies are combined, and we're at a scale now that we can uh, do bigger and better things in Europe. So in 2020, what is Keddington's typical client profile, and what services do you now provide? Yeah, so we're the company that everybody calls to build Wi-Fi networks within their buildings, fibre copper cabling, uh, LAN equipment, cybersecurity solutions, DAS IoT, you'll hear a lot of talk about IoT, the Internet of Things, connecting all of these things within the buildings. That's the kind of stuff we do. We design, we supply, we install, and we maintain those systems. So that's, in a nutshell, that's what we do. Um, the kind of clients we're looking for you know, and working for are kind of who's who of everybody, um, all the big tech companies you can imagine in America that have come here, uh, all those FDI companies, you know, we work for them all. With the move to remote working, does that create new opportunities for your company? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We're working with one of the American suppliers at the minute now on a, on a home solution, um, which will see faster and better broadband, better Wi-Fi delivered around uh, home office kind of environments. So we're working on that at the minute, and I'm just about to launch that, actually. So there, there's opportunities there, but our sweet spot's still in data centers. It's still in IoT plays within large office blocks, the kind of office blocks that you see up and down the Liffey, the central banks, the all of those kind of buildings. That's the kind of work that we like to do. Digital transformation is a term that has ended up on every company's agenda. What advice have you got for businesses as they embark on a journey into digital transformation? Yeah, I think you've got to be flexible. I think you've got to listen to what's going on. I think you've got to stay true to your core as well. Whatever your core services are, you can't change away from that. You know, um, yeah, we do need to reinvent ourselves. We do need to stay current. We need to move with the times. Um, and there are lots of changes coming uh, at us. But um, we're looking at all the tech uh, manufacturers in the world and seeing what they're doing. We know we're moving from 1 gig to 10 gig to, to 25 gig to 40 gig to 100 gig to 200 gig and 400 gig. We see all these developments. Because we work in the data center, in our world, that's the top of the, the heap in terms of speeds and feeds. And that, that falls down, if you like, to the office block and then falls down to the home. And Matt, if you went off and sold Keddington today and you had to set up a brand new tech company, what would you be doing? Yeah, there's two huge areas. Um, yeah, data centers, that, that's a huge space. IoT is a massive space, the Internet of Things. I'd love to get heavily involved in that. You know, people think they have intelligent buildings, and by and large, they have intelligent systems within the buildings, but they're not talking to each other. They're not on a, a common platform. We're not looking at them through a single pane of uh, glass, and we can get to that. But there's a lot of work needed to happen in the back, and we're working on those kind of stories in the back. Cybersecurity, by the way, my kids, that's where they're heading. Cybersecurity, it's huge. We can hack any building in town today very easily. I could tell you stories now. We were in a building the other day, no names mentioned, and a guy was complaining about a device on his LAN. We said we would log on to it. He said, no, you can't because it's secured. We said, yes, we can. We Googled the default password for that device and lo and behold, it was the default password. We got in, and we were able to get into several devices on his, his LAN. And then we're tunneling into his LAN, and we can change things and rub things and move things. It, it's not good. It's not clever. Another exciting space, of course, in the tech world is artificial intelligence. What are your thoughts around that? AI, huge. For my business, um, it's only going to bring more and more demand for our kind of services, the fiber optic cables that link everything together. Um, it, it, it's arguably part of the IoT story. 
um, where every single thing in the planet is going to be connected. Uh, AI is going to, yeah, replace a lot of mundane jobs. I think it's going to give us challenges going forward. Not for my lifetime, I don't think. My kid's lifetime, for sure. Um, it's going to take away some of the jobs. I'm Arguably, we're teaching them about jobs um, that don't exist today uh, to, to solve problems that don't exist today. So um, they say that the 10 most sought-after jobs today were not, in, not around in 2004. So you can see how fast the whole industry is moving. AI is a big part of that, for sure. And it's an exciting space, no doubt about that. Now, Matt, I know that whilst you're very busy with Keddington, you always make time to give back to the community. And one of the ways you do this is through your local Rotary Club. Why are you so passionate about Rotary? Yeah, Rotary's a real no-brainer. Um, I was asked to join in, in around two year 2000. I didn't understand much about it other than I, I knew they were a group of people that were interested in making change. Uh, I don't know what your definition of Rotary is. Mine is simple. It's a, a group of ordinary men and women that meet once a week to affect some change in their local communities and in, in their international communities. I guess if there's anything extraordinary about them, Carl, it's the fact that there's 33,000 such clubs around the world with 1.2 million members in 190 different countries, all ages, all creeds, all colours, all genders, all occupations. They just meet once a week to to make a difference when they decide to band together they're formidable you know for for argument's sake they got behind vaccines like the polio vaccine they've given two billion dollars to that over a long period of time two billion dollars so they're formidable when they get behind something but by and large it boils down to individual clubs like yours in wexford and mine in dublin that just try to make a, a bit of a difference uh, locally and internationally. It's really easy work to get involved in, I have to say. And Matt, perhaps you can give us a flavour for the Rotary projects that you were most proud of over the years. Yeah, um, look, uh, I think the one that I got involved in most was a project in Africa that um, a charity called Light of Maasai, lightofmaasai.org, you can Google those guys. Um, it was an Irish woman that went down to celebrate her 40th birthday down in Kenya got hooked up to a charity down there accidentally and by and large never came back. It's been down there for the last 16, 17 years um, and we have been supporting her. She's our safe pair of hands on the ground. We've been doing wells and schools and um, medical. We're in, we're in, the, in the process of clinics. We're in the process of doing an eye clinic at the minute, which is just phenomenal work. It's so easy to do. You can change the dynamics of an entire village uh, for the want of a few thousand euro that could be easily raised through a coffee morning or whatever, Rotary do it all day long. Uh, they're excellent at that. And they really make things uh, work. You know, they, the money goes direct from us to the, to the person that's going to need it at the far end. There's no governments or anything else in between. Uh, there isn't any corruption. We're helping people that we know need the help and it's very targeted and it just works really well. You've been through a number of acquisitions, MBOs and mergers. If any of our listeners this morning are considering any of those options, what advice have you got for them? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things I would say. Uh, and these are basic kind of tips, but maybe you would understand them straight away. You know, you've got to surround yourself with the right people and you've got to pay the fee. That's the first thing I'd say. You've got to sell on the upside of your business uh, and not be greedy. You cannot sell a business at that, that, that the top or uh, falling down the other side. You've got to sell it on the upside. And that suggests you straight away that you're selling a business that's doing really well. But you've got to do that. That, that is the, the, the cycle that you've got to sell on. You've got to drive the process yourself because if you don't drive it, it doesn't happen. And you've got to think outside the box for your business. You know, where, where is it going? What can I do with it on my own? How, how, how 
better can it be if I get involved in clever people and other companies that are moving fast in the same space and, and surround yourself with like-minded people. And you've got to understand that deals aren't done until they're done and start two years ahead of whenever you want the deal to happen. That's, that's my advice in a nutshell. Well, if you've just tuned in, that was Matt Porter from Keddington. And I would like to thank Matt for sharing his story with us on this morning's show. Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick.